the do. Oh, good evening, everybody. I like Thursday. Thursdays, I can say good evening. It's more feels better. Anyway, uh, turn your Bibles to Matthew six. Matthew chapter six. And uh, let's begin with prayer. Let's thank God for our time together. Thank God for his word. Uh, always get ready for um, the, uh, to concentrate and get ready for his word. Be ready to hear and learn. You guys all know that. I don't know why I'm saying it again and again, but <clears throat> with that in mind, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you that within your word is the revelation of you, of your son, your redemption, uh, the gift of God, the Holy Spirit within us, all that you have given us, all of your gifts. There are so many and so wonderful. Uh, We are, are... grateful to know the future, the prophecy to come, uh, to be fulfilled, the coming of our Lord and Savior, the deliverance of this world, uh, unto Him, and so many things. We thank you for the opportunity to pray and for teaching us how and for showing us the great benefits of it and uh, how it greatly improves our relationship with you and in your word the guidance and direction in so many ways, through narrative, through poetry, through exhortation, through command, through promise. In so many ways you have uh, spoken with us so that we may know and walk with you and enjoy the wonderful life you've given us. So as we turn again to our subject, Father, we ask that through your Spirit our hearts would be enlightened. And we ask in Christ's name, Amen. Uh, am I on, Keith? But my slide right there? Am I pointing to it? Is what? Yeah, but is the slide in the corner? Oh, okay. There's a picture in picture, right? All right, cool. Uh, <clears throat> almost feel like going back there and check it, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for it. Uh, so, um, we... I had a bit more to do on Psalms, and then I thought, well, it's kind of bits and pieces, and I think uh, that I decided to move on. It's not that we're not going to be in the Psalms, because the Psalms have uh, so much to do with prayer. So as we continue now, uh, we're going to look at uh, more of the method of prayer, whereas uh, what we've looked at so far are more of the themes of prayer. Um, and so, and they overlapped quite a bit. Um, and so, <clears throat> like for instance, there's types of prayer, um, and these are categorized in, in so many in many ways, um, and in all works on prayer that all write-ups on prayer or works on prayer that uh, you know from confession to thanksgiving to petition to intercession uh, to praise and so on and. Uh, <clears throat> we can break down these themes, not so, sorry, themes, but types of prayer, depending on how picky we want to get and how detailed we want to get. Uh, and so what we're going to do is just keep it to three, and we'll expand upon it as we go. But the reason why we want to do this, first off, is that we just want to make sure we're not missing anything in our prayer life. And this prayer life is not just today, but it's the rest of our life. Uh, we, the prayer that we have with God is a continuing communication with him that he has started. So God started the conversation, and we need to be involved in it throughout the rest of our lives. And so if, you know, all of this has to be covered as we pray, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we want to be mechanical. In other words, we don't want to say, all right, first I do this and first I do that. But we do want to understand that there is one thing we want to do first. And this comes from our Lord's Prayer, and it 
when it's um, in practice, and all those who have come before us who have written about prayer, uh, either church fathers, uh, Augustine wrote quite a, not a whole lot about prayer, but enough to understand how we how we saw it, uh, and so on. That <clears throat> um, in practice, to do one thing particularly first is of extreme importance. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Um, so the basic type of prayers are first upward, then inward, then outward. And this, is, this isn't this is even my classification. I, I did not come up with the upward, inward, outward. But I, I like it, and I, I think it's helpful. And But when we're in the act of praying, these categories kind of melt away. Right? So they're there. But if you are right now praying about you and you don't get to praying about others until, I don't know, later, uh, there's, there's, no, uh, wor- there's nothing in the Word of God that says, you know, you've done prayer wrong because you didn't pray for others particularly right now. Or say you didn't, um, you know, you, uh, uh, but anyway, we'll, let's let it speak for itself. The uh, <clears throat> first is praise and thanksgiving, and thanksgiving is really a subcategory of praise. In some uh, in some writings on prayer, there there are two different types of prayer. I, I don't see them that way. I see thanksgiving and praise as one, and and also I just want to keep this as simple as possible. Praise and thanksgiving inwardly is confession for sure, but then assurance. And there's more that we could say about this. I see in the inward where we're also searching God and in prayer trying to understand the things of his word and revelation that we are maybe confused about or perplexed. And that's kind of looking inward. You know, what do I understand and what don't I understand and why? And that is, we've already looked at that in this study, that that's a part of uh, us pursuing God in prayer and I would see that as inward. And then outward is petition itself, which, you know, these are the things that, God, I want you to heal me. I want you to heal them. I want you to intercede in this problem or in that problem. And therefore, you're asking God to outwardly in, work in a particular way. And, um, you know, these, uh, all of these types of prayers are seen throughout the Psalms and throughout the Word of God. And uh, so uh, we could expand them, uh, but what I want to do is just use them as a guide. And then we'll see. when you pray, your prayer life is going to be your own experience. All right. So they're got, you're going to do all of these things, but um, <clears throat> there's no set procedure on, say, like how should these be like 33 percent each? You know what I mean? Like. There's nothing like that in the Word of God. You're to, you're to take all of this, and the reason why we want to have a, um, a category is so that when we, when we look at our prayer lives, we want to make sure that we're not missing anything. So, like, for instance, it, I found in my life that I was uh, very heavy in praying for myself <laughs> and not so heavy in praying for others. And when I say praying, and when I mean praying for myself, I mean I was after not just God give me all this stuff. Uh, you know, I'm 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 too old for that now. I kind of passed that. <laughs> I used to be more like that. But I you know, really pursuing God, but then and 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 as I analyzed my prayer life, there was not enough prayer for others. And so I had to change that. You know, and that's what's good about the categories. When you when you look them over, you say, well, you know, which of these have I done well? And which of these haven't I done? Uh, <clears throat> so first, we're going to just we'll start with the first, which is praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving uh, focus on God's person and who He is. We're not to just praise Him uh, just by saying the words. I think that that's pretty common sense. But um, if and. and so to praise God properly, you have to know who he is. And whatever you know about him, you know, if it's true, whatever you know about God, if it's true, it's magnificent. Because everything about him is magnificent. 
Everything about him is beautiful and wonderful. So even if I know a li- only a little bit about him, I have things in that little bit. And actually, for all of us, we only know a little bit because he's infinite. But with that, what I know, I can praise him truly. And we're also going to see that you're never going to find in the Word of God where God says, praise me when you feel like it. Because a lot of times we're not going to feel like it. And God commands, this is something. And this is something in, uh, there's a wonderful chapter in C.S. Lewis's book on Reflection of the Psalms. It's a great little book. It's called Reflection in the Psalms. And he talked about when he was a new convert that he couldn't understand why God demanded to be praised. Like, like it was arrogant, you know. Like if a person says, praise me, unless you're, you know, one of the cronies who are trying to follow, a, like a celebrity or something. But most of us look at celebrities or politicians or something that want to be praised by people. They disgust us. You know, because they're so into themselves. And even the people who follow them are just, you know, minions in a way. And it's, it's just disgusting. And yet God says, praise me. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's, so what is it about God that makes this praise of him, um, first off, legitimate? But secondly, as we're going to see, if we don't do it, we're not going to see life. And uh, it, it is an intricate part of discovering what life is really about. <clears throat> so the prayer of praise and thanksgiving should come first. And this we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. Again, the Lord's Prayer is this has the structure of prayer in it. And he does not start out with confession. He doesn't start out with uh, anything about us. It starts out with God. And in fact, it starts out with praise of God. So if you look at Matthew 6, 9, he says, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And hallowed is a word meaning sanctified. So you could say, if you don't like the word hallowed, which you know, it's kind of King James English, we don't really use that word hardly ever anymore. You can say, sanctified be your name, or holy be your name. Those would be absolutely legitimate translations of this word. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name. By the way, it's a command, uh, but uh, we find it is. All, every, all six petitions in this prayer are in the imperative mood. They're commands. But we find out in, in this ancient Greek language, that if a subordinate were asking a superior for something, they would frame it in, the, in a command. So it's not that we're commanding God, be holy. That's really quite stupid. But in every case, in ancient, I say not in every case, but in most cases, in Koine Greek in the first century, the way this is used, if a subordinate were asking a superior for something, they would phrase it with an imperative. They would use a command. So you'd say, sir, give me this, or sir, but you're, it's not disrespectful. So uh, our Father who is in heaven, holy be your name. Now God's name is holy. So what are we after here? The recognition of it. See, Jesus is brilliant here. Well, of course he is. But he's showing us that we have got to see the person of God as holy. And that's the first thing. Your kingdom come. Again, it's a command, but we're not telling God bring your kingdom as if God's waiting for us to tell him. But it is our desire to see the kingdom of God in our lives, in our families, in our marriages. That, you know, So it's not actually going to be here physically until Christ returns. But the rules of the kingdom, the way of the kingdom, the life of the kingdom, we have that. In Colossians 1, it says we are a part of the kingdom. Same thing in 2 Peter chapter 2, that we're holy uh, royal priests that are a part of a, a kingdom of priests. And so uh, the kingdom is the way, and then your will be done is also the way of the kingdom. It is the obedience to that way. And then on earth as it is in heaven. Not a different kingdom on earth than there is in heaven. So this holiness of heaven, this holiness of God, we desire in our own lives. 
We desire in our families. We desire in our churches. We desire in our nation. Uh, we can't force people to do it, but we can't have it in our own souls. And so in this, in the opening of this prayer, really the, it's the construct of prayer, that we're not allowed to even jump to our confession until we have the heavenly holiness of God whose kingdom and will there is only one. And that, I don't want a different kingdom, I don't want a different will, and I understand that you, Father, are holy beyond what I can comprehend. Now, get to what you're after. Whether it's confession. And you know what? And I, this, I had to apply this today because something came upon my mind. A situation that I have to face and, then I, and it's a pressure thing. Uh, and the pressure, and immediately I know how to release the pressure. As I go to God, I talk to God about it. And immediately I said, Father, and I'm going right to my problem, and I, and I was, wait, wait. It only takes a minute. Father, you're in heaven. You're holy. Uh, you know, you've made me holy. You're my Father through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I'm, my, in, in what I'm doing there is praising him for who he is. And then I get to my problem. And the, after I do that, the way I see my problem is different. And I see it properly. Because when you go to, Christ, when you go to the Father, sorry, because we're praying to the Father. When we go to the Father with the problems, we're looking at the problem. And we can be, and I'm sure you've experienced this, that we're telling God and talking to him about these problems, and they're still burdensome on us. Like, I'm going, there's this problem, there's this, and then this could happen, and this can happen, and I'm talking to God, and I'm anxious, even. I brought my anxiety to the throne of God. So if I hold off on that and do as our Lord said here, praise him first. Now get to your problem. And you're going to see it's not going to be you and the problem. It's going to be you and the Lord and the problem. And you're going to see the problem through him. And then you see it different. There's a solution there. Right? When you do it that way, then you can say, can I cast all my burdens upon him? Well, of course I can. This is the Holy One in heaven whose kingdom and will will be done. You know, this is, He can take care of anything. So it really calibrates our thinking. It normalizes our thinking in a spiritual way. So we see the genius here in this. Praise God first. If our own flaws are drawing us to prayer, attending to God's perfect holiness will enable us to see our problem in the proper light. So say, I, I have, I've committed a sin that is burdening me, like they all should. Say, I've, I, this sin has come upon me, or I'm tempted by it, and I want to go to God and confess it. That's another place where the confession of your sin is like a release valve from whatever guilt or condemnation might be building up in your soul. When you go to God and you confess it and you know you're forgiven, this is, now you can breathe. And, and I may want that, I, and of course I want that. So we seek relief from the burden of sin in confession. That was the last thing we looked at in the Psalms was a confession, the guilt of sin and confession of sin. But it's not just the loss of pressure that we should be after. Because what can happen is, is that I, I confess, and I confess, I confess, I confess, and, and every time this, I've cast my sin pretty really upon the, the shoulders of the Lord, I know I'm forgiven, but then the pressure comes again and again and again, and I'm releasing and I'm releasing and I'm releasing, and I go through my whole life never actually able to overcome the pressure. Like that same thing keeps happening, and I confess it, and it does. It comes, and I confess it, and it comes, and I confess it, and I could spend my whole life always knowing that that pressure is going to build up because this weakness in me is going to produce this sin, and I never overcome it. Thank God for the confession. At least I get relief. But where's the overcoming? And I can tell you exactly where the overcoming is. Praising God. 
And I, you know I don't mean just throwing your hands in the air. You don't have to put your hands in the air. That's not a thing. You can if you want, but it, it's not just saying the words. But it is saying the words in your soul, even when you don't feel like it. Because when you praise God, you're looking at God, you're thinking of God, you're, it's, it's what you're focusing on is His magnificence and His holiness and heaven and His kingdom and His will. Not just my sin. Leave the sin for a second. Look at Him. Get that straight in your mind. Him. Now go to the sin. And you'll find yourself wanting, you know what, God, what is the source of this weakness? How can we overcome it? Because I keep, I look at your holiness multiple times a day. See, if we're, especially when we're confessing sin as sinners, uh, we've got a lot of praying to do, right? So it, it's, if, if it's holiness and praising God first, when I'm in my inner room prayer, I, I, I think of that to me as, you know, that's my planned prayer time. Uh, the, 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 you know, the flare prayers that I like to call them when I'm from anywhere, I can, the, the times that I need to pray to God for just a few minutes. Uh, in multiple of those and confession of sin and when I feel tempted and talking to him, Multiple times a day. But every time I look at His holiness first, literally takes a few minutes. You've got plenty of time for this. Our Father who is in heaven. But by the way, it's our Father, right? So you've also got in your mind that I'm not alone here. I'm part of a whole body, the family of God, a royal family of God. And when I'm... I'm, therefore, multiple times a day, I am looking at the holiness of God, the kingdom of God, the will of God, and it doesn't have to be exactly in the Lord's words here. You can put it in your own words and your own thoughts. And actually, at times, you spend, you, know, you spend a few minutes thinking about that kingdom, that will. I mean, how many wills are there going to be at the end of it all? One. How many kingdoms at the end of it all? One. What about my little kingdom that I want to build? Eh, not so hot. Right? What about all the stuff that I want? Eh, if it's not in God's will, what's the point? It's not eternal. Uh, you know, and, and you see this day in and day out, multiple times a day. You're inundated with the person of God. It changes you. It changes your whole perspective. And over time, you'll find yourself... And it's not a trick either. It's not some, you know, like a, a positive thinking kind of trick where they say just think positive thoughts over and over and over again and then you'll turn into that. Uh, the problem is with that thinking, you don't turn into that because those positive thoughts are not really all that positive. But your praising God is legit. Even if you don't feel like it because he's the only one worthy of praise. The only one. There's nobody else worthy of praise besides him. Not one creature, not one thing in this whole universe is worthy of praise besides God. So when you do it, you're doing what is right. And eventually, you're, you know, you're looking at God and His holiness. And of course, you have to have an education in God's, will to do, uh, God's Word to do this. But you guys have that. And you do this over and over, multiple times a day, day in and day out looking at the face of God for his magnificence, for who he is, for his holiness, his kingdom, his will, his righteousness, his justice, his salvation, his grace, his love. And it changes you. And you find then that the source of these many sins that have been dragging you down and interfering with your walk with God, you're actually going to find that you conquer them. You know, become sinless, but it is the glory of God that obliterates them. And that is amazing. I mean, is it easy? <laughs> it actually is. I mean, it, it takes the desire to do it, but it's not hard to do. And I guess, I mean, that what it does take is faith. So it's not just with confession, or I should say it's not just the confession that has to wait. Everything has to wait. 
our petition, our supplications, our intercessions, which that's a, those are all synonymous terms, if they wait until we praise God our Father in awe of Him, we will realize our dependence upon Him. And here's another great question. If you get what you want that you ask for God, what are you going to do with it? Well, let's say you're asking for something uh, in the third category, which is the outward, right? Your petition. And your petition is for such and such. Say it's a certain deliverance, it's a certain uh, gift of money, or it's uh, uh, getting out of this situation, or this problem getting solved, or you know this, this person's life uh, getting helped. If it, if it happens, what, do you, what are you going to do with it? What good is going to come from it? We often just think, oh, I want that, but we don't know of what we're going to do with it if we get it. Are we going to do good with it? If we ask God for loads of money, you know, what are we going to do with it? Is it going to be good for us? Because when we are actually uh, <clears throat> praying for things, what we're asking for are things that, that are legitimate, are things that are going to glorify Christ in our lives. And therefore, what we receive has to be for God's glory. When we receive that, whatever we're looking for or desiring, is it going to be to God's glory, <clears throat> to the glory of Christ in my life? So that's the uh, next thing. In all kinds of prayer, we are after the glory of Christ in us. Ask what good will, will result, what good results, sorry, will come if the request is granted. Will good come from it? Or do I just want something else? And you know, these are things to pray about, to consider. It's wonderful to consider in prayer because you know, I mean, God's always watching, but there's something special about being in prayer. It's, um, you know, now that I think about it, it's, you know, God is omnipresent, he's everywhere. But as soon as I, in my mind, say, all right, now I'm praying, our Father, or Father, all of a sudden, it's like I'm shut into an inner room. And if I, in that room, you know, which is really in God's throne room, and if I start to ponder things in my life or in someone else's life, things are important to me, and you know to think about the to think through those things in the presence of God is really something because if you start lying to yourself or you start you know getting wrong thoughts or maybe if you're thinking about a situation you start getting bitter start getting angry <coughs> you know God's you, you know God's right there like it's a purifier uh all right so we're going to skip that passage for the sake of time. Praise, therefore, is the Alpha prayer. Praise and adoration. Thanksgiving is included in that. It's adoring God. You can only do so by knowing who He is. Uh, and we're going to see that when we praise Him, it brings to completion this joy that we're seeking. Because everybody wants happiness. Everybody uh, clings to the things that I think are going to give them happiness. Everybody does it. The problem with us is that we're sinners and we often misjudge or miscalculate the thing that we think is going to make us happy. And we find that out the hard way. Um, but and, and we're brought back to, as believers, we're again brought back to this place. You know, what's really going to make me happy? And there's only one. I mean, the Word tells us again and again... We play games with it, we try different ways, and we come right back really to the foot of the cross and say, you know, here I am, I'm all beaten up and bruised and stupid, and I got, you know, I'm, I'm in rags, I'm dirty, and I'm like, can we try this again? And the Lord says, absolutely. Let's try it again. And you're a little smarter this time, aren't you? A little bit. <laughs> I wish you were smarter, but... You're a little smarter. All right, so let's try it again. And you never run out of... Well, you do run out of these chances when you're dead. But as long as you're alive, you don't run out of these chances. <clears throat> Praise and adoration are necessary for the proper formulation and motivation of all kinds of prayer 
Praise is necessary to find happiness. And so, um, this is something that a lot of people haven't figured out, including me. Praise is the only way to a purely healthy life. In, the cha- in, in a chapter in his excellent, this again, in C.S. Lewis's uh, Reflection on the Psalms, Reflections of the Psalms is the official title, he admits at the beginning of his Christianity he couldn't understand why people told him to praise God and that God demanded it. And he wrote, quote, We all despise the man who demands continued assurance from his own virtue, intelligence, delightfulness, and we despise still more the crowd of people that are around him. It's true. But go to, go to Psalm 117. <clears throat> Psalm 117. There are a ton of praise psalms. And in fact, the last five psalms in the book, in the Psalter, all start with praise the Lord and have multiple praise the Lord's in them. The last five psalms. And what is the last line in the psalms? The very last line of Psalm 150 is praise the Lord. It's the end of the psalms. Look at Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Laud Him, all peoples. For His loving kindness is great toward us and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Short and sweet, that one. Praise the Lord. Why? Oh, because He's awesome. Right? His loving kindness, His covenant love is great. The truth of the Lord is forever. Praise Him. Uh, Is this a command? Is he demanding it? You bet he is. You bet he is. Why is he demanding it? Well, he deserves it. But he's demanding it for us. Look at Psalm 135. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O servants of the Lord. You're like, I get it. I get it. All right. Three lines. Praise me, praise me, praise me. He sounds needy, right? But why, why? Well, we'll see. You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of the Lord, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is lovely. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and in earth, in the seas and all the depths, he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth, who makes lightning for the rain, who brings forth wind from his treasuries. Do we even remotely comprehend the power of our God? The infinite power? Yeah, we can't. We can't. I mean, we know what lightning is, and we see the power in it. Uh, we don't know what it's like to be able to just call it forth. So, multiple times, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. When we say, Our Father who is in heaven, holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are saying some version of this. And when we say, you know, your kingdom come, it's time at times. I, I would know that the Lord would want us to expand upon that. He gives us a skeleton. It's such a short little prayer, but upon it is like, If you start praying about God's kingdom or at least thinking about God's kingdom with him and you want the, you know, his kingdom to be your life, not physically, of course, uh, because we're dispensationalists here, but what is it about the kingdom? What's good about it? Why is it awesome? Why is it the only one? These are things to understand and the word of God will tell us that. So we pause in the midst of these words And in the midst of our prayer, we say, look, what about us? What about you? What about me? How about me praising him? How about me saying, Lord, thank you for your son, for the cross, for my salvation, for my redemption, for what you've given me? All the good things that are in my life come from heaven. That's James James chapter 1. Everything that's good comes from God, not from me. Everything 
deserves praise from him. And here's the thing. Just like Jesus said, you'll be faithful in the little thing, you'll be faithful in much. If you don't praise God for the little stuff, you are not going to praise him for the big stuff. You've got to praise him for the little things. And it doesn't mean, you know, there's, I've seen people are around, uh, you know, um, coffee's ready. Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, pancakes are ready. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's praise the Lord. Everything. It's like a stamp. And yeah, I, I don't know. It seems a little hokey to me. It seems rehearsed. Um, if you want to say it out loud, great. You might be a loner. Nobody, I don't know if anybody wants to be around that. But in your soul, right? What about like if I, um, oh, I don't know. Say I, I burn the gar. I hate when I, I hate having to recook stuff. If I cook, I like to cook, but if I like over, if I burn garlic or overheat something or. I have to start over. I'm like mad. I get cranky. Cranks do not praise God. They don't. And I should say, thank you, Lord, for garlic. At least I have some. Right? Thank you for a stove. Thank you for my home. Thank you for a warm bed. Right? If if we take all these things for granted... We, when things go hard for us and bad for us and sin is on us and we're guilty, whatever, we run to God to prayer. We can't wait to pray to Him. But when things are rolling along just nice and we're receiving good things, do we run to God in the same way to say thank you? We do not. And we must. And I'll show you why. Uh, okay, look at Psalm 54, verse 6. This is David David in the wilderness. The I think it's the, if you see the heading, I don't have it in front of me, but I think they're the Ziphites who are chasing him. Uh, they're trying to kill him and present him to King Saul as a, like a trophy. Uh, and, you know, here we have, and this is, again, something that Lewis writes about. Uh, David writes in Psalm 54, verse 6, Willingly I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O God, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all trouble, and my eye has looked with satisfaction upon my enemies. What we know, this history here, is that David was delivered. The Ziphites almost got him. They ratted him out. David thought they were his friends. They pretended to be. And then they went and told Saul, hey, we've got David. So they ratted David out. He almost got caught, but he escaped. And notice, you know, he says, I'm going to give thanks to you, God, because you delivered me. I'm going to praise you, God, because you've done stuff. Uh, if, If this were a person, it would be, misplaced but because it's god because he deserves it it is actually actually uh the fulfillment of david's happiness and we'll see that uh without truly praising god one only has the pseudo life of existing the the life of just existing um, it's especially in our society, it's compartmentalized. You know, what, what is my existence? Well, I have a morning routine at home, and depending if I work or not, then there's a leave the house routine, there's a drive in the car routine, uh, there's a get to work routine, people at work routine, uh, driving home routine, and back at home routine. Nighttime home is different than morning home. Uh, whatever, and then I'm, you know, whatever I do, and then I'm back to bed, and I go do it again, and <clears throat> and I exist, you know, and it's, it, you know, it's not, it's not the, if you're comfortable, it's not the most horrible existence. I mean, it could be a lot worse, but is it really the life that God has given us? Uh, <clears throat> without the praise of God in our lives, there's just existence. So we ask ourselves, well, why should we do this? And we say, well, it's right, but that's not good enough. 
because if, if we say, you know, you should, if you ask anybody, why should I praise God? Oftentimes you get the explanation, well, it's the right thing to do. He deserves it. And then, so you say, well, okay, God has given me a bunch of stuff. He deserves praise. And when you say it's right, it almost is, um, it's just an obligation, right? It's just an obligation that I should say, God, you're awesome. And why? Well, because he's awesome. <clears throat> so the, a more, an easier way to look at this is if we look at an inanimate object. And I'll take this from Lewis, this chapter from C.S. Lewis, so I'll quote him. What do we mean when we say, say, for instance, a picture is admirable? We certainly don't mean that it is admired, for bad work is admired by thousands and good work may be ignored. I, I, I've seen, uh, in Washington, D.C., we went to the National Museum in Washington, and I saw artwork for the first time in my life that was amazing. Uh, this was art. Now, I've also seen, quote-unquote, modern art. And i got to tell you, it's not the same. It's not the same. Because right across the street from that art museum is the modern art museum in Washington, D.C. We poked our heads in there. What is this stuff? You know, And, and it, it's not it. Um, so, if, if a lot of people admire something, does that mean it's admirable? And the answer is no. Uh, so, then we could say, as, as Lewis says here, it's not nor that it deserves admiration in the sense in which a candidate deserves a high mark from an examination. That, you know, in other words, you deserved an A, but you got a C. Right, Keith, didn't you just tell me, tell me that? You deserved an A and you got a C. Well, why? Well, you were, you know, you were not awarded the what you should have been. Now, is that the case? God deserves it, uh, but you know, he's he hasn't gotten it because he's not, you know, he got a he got railroaded. And so, well, nobody likes God, so uh, maybe we should. And that's not it either. The sense in which the picture deserves or demands ab admiration is rather this, that admiration is correct, adequate, or appropriate, or the appropriate response to it, that if paid admiration, it will not be thrown away, that it, <clears throat> if we do not admire, we shall be stupid, insensible, and great losers. We shall have missed something. In that way, many objects, both in nature and in art, may be said to deserve or merit or demand admiration. So, meaning that <clears throat> people have different tastes, but if you were in a dark place and you saw the, the stars at night, there were, I mean, some people might not like it so much, but most people would say, that's beautiful. It deserves it. I mean, especially when we come to understand at least a little bit of the immensity of the universe, and we're looking at dots of light that are billions and trillions of miles away, and there's order to them. Uh, sunset, uh, you know, anything, things of art. We saw uh, there was a da Vinci in the, in the art museum. I couldn't believe it. I I was stared at it for 20 minutes. Like compared to Van Gogh and, and all the others, Monet's or Manet's, all, all of those guys, not mayonnaise, Manet, but this da Vinci, you're just like, how did he do that? It's just amazing. Anybody who doesn't admire it is insensible. Who's behind it all? To admire God is to be awake. To admire God is to be alive. It's not a, yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> and you don't know him. Yeah, compared to other gods, he's a little bit better. You don't know him. You don't know him. To see, this is the Father who sent his Son to die on a cross for our behalf. Resurrected on the third day. Everything he said, everything he did. The miracles. The teachings, the work, 
the sacrifice. Hanging from the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. It's gorgeous. Not fighting back, but taking it. Loving his disciples. Sticking with them to the end. And then starting the church. And then, so what about us now in the church? Saved eternally. Having eternal life. No, we have a room in the New Jerusalem. Forever and ever. This God who created this world, there's still, even in a fallen world, there's beauty in this world that is magnificent. To admire God is to be awake, to have entered into the real world. Not to appreciate God is to be in the unreal. And that means a loss of experience and actually to have lost everything. If we can't admire God and adore God, then what are we doing? Now, everybody loves something. You are what you love. The Lord said it. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. You are what you love. The beautiful... And, and so, if we say, well, you know, as believers, yeah, I don't know if I admire God. Excellent. Be honest with yourself. And then in prayer, be honest with God and search it. Because... If, if we are believers, we know deep in our hearts that this is true. That to admire God is to be alive. Beautiful things in the world, the, which are the things that sane people claim to be admired. You know, uh, <laughs> the thing in, in, uh, things in our modern age here in America or in the West that people say are attractive and beautiful are... You know, you just shake your head at them. <laughs> I, I think of something, but it's just so crass that I'm, I'm not going to mention it. But it's just ridiculous what people think is good. Is it? Uh, God is the great object of admiration behind all other beauties and magnificence. And so to praise and admire him would simply to be, would be to simply be awake and have entered the real world while not doing so, would become far more profoundly crippled in our minds. Because we're not admiring. We have to love and admire something, and we're not admiring the thing, not the thing, the person who is truly admirable. All right, so there's that. And this is the truth. We don't see God as holy and right and justice and just and beautiful and wonderful. Then... We are, in life, bedridden. I mean, we're existent. We're blind and deaf. That's what he said to the Israelites. You're blind and deaf. Now, there's something else as well. When you find anything great or enthralling, you see something great or enthralling, just wonderful. You see, I don't know, it's a video or something you read or whatever. Great movie. What's, what do you do? You tell people. Uh, you can't wait to share it with someone. You say, hey, listen to this. you got to see this. It's awesome. It's the first thing you really want to do. And in actuality... If you Now imagine a life where everything you saw that was awesome, that was cool, that was great, and you never told a soul about it. You just kept it internal. <clears throat> Our joy... Uh-oh. Did I mess this up? I did. I messed up my slides. That figures. Uh, okay. All right, we'll just... Uh, so anyway, sorry. Uh, our joy in something we consider truly great and inspiring is not complete until we express it. That's why we see in the Psalms, David says, praise the Lord. Uh, even when we saw in the Psalms that he, he's sinful and confessed his sin, he expresses himself, expresses himself poetically. It's not complete until you do. If you see God as beautiful and admirable and you don't 
feel the need to tell him, then you don't. You desire to tell him. Actually, you also desire to tell others. It's just too wonderful. It's too beautiful. He's too beautiful. He's too wonderful. You desire to express it. If lovers never told one another that they loved each other, if they never said to each other, you're beautiful or you're valuable, even if, uh, and, so, and even if they felt this way, say two people were in love, deeply in love, but they never told each other. That would First, it would be bizarre. But why is it bizarre? Because the person who falls in love has to tell them, uh, or at least wants to, because it's not complete until you do. It was never meant to be kept within. And the same is true of the beauty of God and your love of God. It's never meant to be just kept within us. We need to express what we find wonderful to complete our praise and happiness. To keep it bottled up inside is to lessen it. And eventually, I would think, to destroy it. Even when we praise someone inadequately, which we often do, our delight is complete. And our relationship is a reality of love and devotion. This is true of encouragement also and forgiveness. What if you forgave somebody and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to tell them. <clears throat> and, and not that it would be, it, it, not only that it would be wrong not to tell them, but your own heart would not feel the happiness of forgiveness. There's truly a benefit to us when we forgive others. I want to tell you you're forgiven. I want to tell, what if I want to, I, I know somebody needs encouragement or comfort, but I'm like, you know, I think I'll keep it to myself. If you wanted to comfort somebody and you didn't say anything or do it, but you have the desire, you know, it, you have to, if you have the desire to comfort somebody, you do it. Let's say you're too shy to do it and you don't do it. Do you feel complete? Nah. You don't. It's true of a lot of things, but it's also true of our praise of God. So, all right, this is the right slide. We must praise God to complete our happiness or else live in the unreality, live in unreality and poverty. We cannot merely believe in our minds that God is wise and loving and great and not express it to him. It doesn't come to fruition. Um, it is absolutely true. This is why God tells us, praise me. Do it. And then you will find the completeness. Um, and, and so it's just as, as Christ told us in prayer to praise him first before we move on to what we want or what we need to confess. Uh, praise him first and thank him. And and in this, by seeing him, you will see you see him. So you see more and more of him as your days go by, as your prayers go on. You see more and more of the reality of God. Uh, you consider it. You meditate on it, on him. And this is uh, very often. And then it becomes as he becomes a reality. How can you hold it in? And you'll find that you can't. And therefore, when you express it to him in prayer, it be silently. It can also be verbally, openly. I think in, in, a, um, in our song service on Sundays, we should all keep this in mind. It's one of the reasons why you know, we do that, that there's, there, we're told to sing in the New Testament. And I can see in relation to this principle that we're expressing... We could just be singing, just for the sake of singing, or we could truly be expressing our love openly. And to do it together, we do it as a family. And that brings unity. 
We think, you know, these things are just things that we do. They're not. Praising God is not just something we do because God is, you know, he's all into himself. He gives it to us for our benefit that when we start truly praising him in prayer for what wonderful he is, then we will find completeness in our lives. And then when, you know, the little things go wrong, if you're, th- if you're praising God for your home, clean water, food, warm bed, um, church, your, your husband, your wife, the people in your life, Instead of being a crank, you don't, God, you know what's wrong with them, right? Well, of course. There's all kinds of stuff wrong with us. Every one of us. But are we thankful for one another? And when you start saying, well, you know, <laughs> there's, there's another aspect to this too because the things that you have in your life and We'll go from the little and up to the big because at the top is the Lord Jesus Christ on a cross for you. Resurrected for you. And that is your greatest gift. Right on down the line is everything from the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, your election, your predestination, all of that, the spiritual great things that you have onward to your house and your car and your food and your heat and your clothes and your church and your people and your friends and your vacation and your stuff and your cell phone and whatever this whatever the stuff that you like that it's a blessing from God here's the thing what kind of God gives such things we say God you're really thank you for the stuff I appreciate it that's good but it's not the best what is the best is when you recognize what kind of of God, what kind of person would give me these things? By grace, I deserve them. And by the way, I was born into this world a sinner and his enemy. What kind of person gives his only begotten beloved son for me? What kind of God does that? What kind of God gives me these things? And when you look at things that way, you will praise him for everything. The good stuff. And even in the bad stuff, what kind of God forgives me of every single sin I've ever committed? And you'll praise him for that too. Therefore, again, we must praise God to complete our happiness or else live in unreality and in poverty. Just existing. We cannot merely believe in our minds that he is loving or wise or great. We must praise him for those things. And praise him to others too. If we are to move beyond the abstract knowledge to a heart-changing engagement with him. Um, Humble believers praise God. And you know what I'll say? Because this manifests itself to others. If you're one who praises God you will more easily and actually quite easily praise others. There's one thing that's not that doesn't happen enough in the church, and that is encouragement. It's very important that people get encouraged by words. You know, not thinking it. They don't know you're encouraging them when you're just thinking it. But to actually look them in the eye and encourage. Whatever whatever it takes. So, no, not because they deserve it either. To they, we easily hand out praise, not lying to people, of course, but looking for something to encourage someone about. Why? Because we want them encouraged, just like God wants us encouraged, every one of us. And this all flows from us actually praising God. And in prayer, do it first before you get to anything else. And when you do so, you will praise God multiple times a day, every day. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for you, for our salvation, for your Son, for everything that you are. 
Thank You for the things that we consider little things. Details of life in which You take care of us. You promised that as You took care of the lilies of the field, You'll take care of us. So we can seek first Your kingdom and know, Father, that You provide. Let us be thankful for everything. Thankful for the little things. And therefore, we will be thankful in much. We ask, Father, in Christ's name, Amen. Hey!